Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Thinking Christian Podcast. This is your host, Dan Kramer, and I want to thank you for joining me today. If this is the first time you've ever listened to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Uh, you can uh, find more about this podcast or me if you just go to thethinkingchristian.us. Uh, that's all one word, thethinkingchristian.us. That'll take you to my website. There you'll find uh, previously released podcasts. You can find uh, other resources and uh, information about me if you're so inclined to look. If you're... Uh, back from a previous podcast. If you've listened before, welcome. Thanks for joining me. And uh, don't forget to subscribe. You can subscribe uh, to this podcast on Google uh, Google Play, on Stitcher, on Android, um, Apple, iTunes, uh, or just download your favorite podcasting app and there you'll be able to uh, subscribe through the app to the Thinking Christian Podcast. That way when a new podcast is released, You'll get noticed. It'll be downloaded right to your device. But none of that will answer the big question, and that is why are you even listening to this podcast? Because in the end, all that you're getting is one man's opinion. I'm just telling you what I think, um, but I'm hoping at the same time to provide some uh, fodder for your thought that maybe as we talk about some of the subjects here that I'm going to discuss um, or have discussed, it'll give you something to think about. And, you know, that's all that I'm trying to do is engage your mind as a Christian, and that's what we do here on the Thinking Christian Podcast. Okay, let's get into today's topic. Today's topic is really just an extension of the uh, podcast from two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I talked about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, you can listen to that again. Go to my website. You can download that podcast if you haven't heard um, yet yet the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, which I believe are the same thing. Um, and I go into more detail about that. But in a nutshell, what I said in that podcast is I believe that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is something that's a present reality reality for the Christian, a present reality for the church. The kingdom of heaven is not some future uh, thought or place, uh, or at least not alone. It, it could include that, but it's a present reality for you and I, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I believe you are part of the kingdom of God. We are, uh, we are engaged in the work of the kingdom Right now, not something future, not something in the um, the sweet by and by, but part of our daily lives. And that was uh, something that I had talked about in that podcast. Now, after that podcast was uh, went on air, I received a response, and that's really cool when I get a response. Uh, a man named Dennis wrote me an email, and I appreciate him taking the time out to, to send an email. And he agreed in part with some things, but he, he wanted to challenge me with some other thoughts. And I, again, I so appreciate that because that's how I learn. That's how I think through the process. Um, if someone challenged me and says, well, what about this passage or what about this thought? Um, and maybe I hadn't thought about it. And so it'll cause me to back up and rethink my process um, or at least cause me to offer a response. Maybe I have thought about it and uh, it'll give me a chance to respond. And again, you don't have to believe anything I say and, and you don't have to agree with anything that I say. As I pointed out earlier, 
In the end, this is just one person's opinion. Uh, that in $2.50 will not buy you a, a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Uh, you know, so, um, but again, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. I'm only just trying to share my opinion so that you have something to think about and hopefully uh, you'll be engaged. But Dennis wrote me an email. And um, he he agreed in part uh, about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God being the same thing. But uh, he suggested that possibly it is something that's uh, not here on earth, uh, present reality, but something future or at least in a different location. Uh, and I'm not trying to phrase his question for him, but what he did is he... Uh, posted or in a, he included in this email two passages of scripture that I think he wanted me to uh, engage with. Uh, the first is uh, John chapter 14 verses 1 and 2 and we'll talk about that first. In John chapter 14 verse 1 and 2 and, and I'm reading from the New King James Version it says here, let not your heart be troubled you believe in God, believe, a lot. believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. That passage, those two verses are probably familiar to a lot of you. Um, if you're a Christian, uh, you may have heard him read at funerals. I was a pastor for 11 years, and uh, I was asked from time to time to read those verses at funerals. And I think the reason why is because they seem to bring a lot of comfort to Christians that it seems to suggest that Jesus is... Um, He'd left this world and that he was going to his father's house, uh, heaven, presumably, uh, to build a mansion, uh, build a, to prepare a place for us so that when we die, we can be with him. Um, and I, I, I have thought about those passages before, and I'm, what I'm going to suggest today might be a little unusual if, you, uh, if you've never heard of this before, um, but I'm going to describe how I see those passages, and I don't see them inconsistent with, I don't see them as being inconsistent with my view of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Uh, first of all, and I read from you the New King James Version, verse 2, it says, in my father's house are many mansions. I think almost every new translation of the Bible does away with the word mansion. I think only the King James and the New King James includes that, uh, in my father's house are many mansions. Most uh, Bibles just say it are many rooms or many abiding places or something like that. Uh, mansions, I have no idea where the King James folks got that from. It doesn't seem to fit uh, the word in, in any stretch. But even if we say in my father's house are many rooms, so that that's fine. Um, in fact, the Greek word uh, that's translated mansions is monet. Uh, now, I'm not a Greek scholar. I don't know Greek. I don't read Greek. I'm a guy with an internet. Uh, I have an internet connection, and I can look these things up, uh, uh, the same as you. Uh, you can get to a Greek uh, lexicon, a Greek dictionary, just by going online. And if you look at that verse, you'll see that the word in Greek is monet. Uh, it's only found two times in all of the New Testament. It's actually later, but I think it's verse 23 of John chapter 14. You'll find it again. It's not translated ma mansions there either. But it's just uh, a, a, an abiding place, a room, a place to live. Uh, in my Father's house are many rooms. But my focus in that verse is really not the word rooms or mansions. It's, it's the first part of that, in my Father's house. Now, if Jesus had gone to his Father's house to build 
rooms or to prepare a place for us and and the father's house is in heaven then one could argue that the kingdom of heaven is not here on earth that the kingdom of heaven is somewhere else uh, and it's not a present reality but it's one to be uh, eventually revealed which in part i do believe that would be true Um, the problem with that is i'm not so sure that's what jesus meant when he said in my father's house uh you know, when we talk about the house of God, uh, first of all, the word house in, in throughout the Bible is is used more than just a, a home. Uh, sometimes we might read about Pharaoh's house or the house of Levi, and it and it could mean a, it could mean a, uh, a, a not a kingdom, but it could be referring to like a family of or something like that. But uh, in the Old Testament, uh, God dwelt uh, primarily among the Hebrews. In the tabernacle at first, um, Moses and Israel, early Israel there, built a tabernacle for God. He lived there, and that was the house of God initially. That's where God lived among his people. Solomon later then built a a temple, moved from a, a, a tabernacle, a mobile kind of temple, to a permanent structure. And that's where God lived among his people in the temple. Uh, so one could say that in the Old Testament, God's house was the temple, or prior to that, the tabernacle. That's where God lived among his people. But the question is, where does God live now? Um, you know, is he in heaven somewhere far away, or uh, is he at another place? Well, I think we can turn to the New Testament and find evidence to suggest where this is, and I, and I don't think it's in some distant, or at some distant place. Um, uh, you know, the heavens or something like that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it's actually in verse 16, Paul is writing and he asks a rhetorical question of the Corinthians. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So he's asking them again rhetorically, don't you understand this? Don't you realize that you, 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 you church in Corinth, you are the temple of God and that God dwells in you? Now, I think it's very interesting because Paul is seeming, seems to suggest here that his belief is that God is dwelling not in the tabernacle, not in the uh, temple, which I believe was still standing at the time that he wrote that, but that God's presence was, was not, again, not in, in that temple, but in his church. Uh, and, and certainly not in just the church in Corinth, but in Christians everywhere, uh, that those of us who are Christians, we are the temple of God. Now, and, and Paul actually, he says that same thing just three chapters later in, three chapters later in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, around verse 19, he asks again rhetorically of the, uh, the Corinthians. He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit uh, who, who is in you? So he's asking them again, you, you the church, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is where God lives, where God dwells. Um, as a matter of fact, I said earlier in, in John chapter uh, 14, where it says that Jesus said that he, had, he in his Father's house are many rooms. Uh, on down in that uh, chapter later, it's verse 23, the word monet is found again. And this is the only other time in all of the Bible where the word Monet is found. Um, and Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our Monet, our home or our abiding place with him. We will come and make a room with him. If anybody loves the father, we will come. Um, 
And so that doesn't sound like some future reality that this is a place in heaven. But if you love God, God will make his home with you. Now, Paul, again, pointing out that the church is the temple of God. And so I believe that is true, uh, that, that we, the church, we are the temple of God. And, and we are the house of God. This is where God lives. So what is that, or how do I take then uh, chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, in my Father's house are many mansions? Well, what I'm suggesting is a, is a possible way of understanding this passage is that Jesus is not going to heaven in some far distant place to build a mansion. In fact, I've actually heard that. It might have been said tongue-in-cheek, but I've heard um, preachers kind of indicate that Jesus the carpenter is up in heaven you know, with his carpenter's belt on and hammer and nails or whatever, and is making us just a glorious mansion, a place to live. I don't think that's what Jesus meant here. Um, he said, I'm going, to, I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Well, where was he going when he said this? He was, he was actually going to the cross. And the work of the cross, I believe, prepared a place for believers to come to God and for God to come to believers. Uh, and in later, Jesus said, if you love God, he will come or we will come and make our home, make our monet with you. So I believe that Jesus was actually referencing here in John chapter 14 verse 2 is that he's going to the cross to prepare a place for God and people to meet to live together he was going to prepare a room and an abiding place where we might live with God and where is that well that's us the church God lives in us we are the temple of God and so I don't see that as inconsistent with my idea that the kingdom of God is a present and real reality here in this world. I believe that uh, those verses actually support this idea that the kingdom of God is here and now. Now, Dennis, in uh, in the same email, had also referenced Revelation chapter 12. I think it was verses 4 through 12. Uh, and in Revelation chapter 12, we have an account, or, or yeah, an account, or, or a vision. John is is having, the end, almost the entire uh, book of Revelation is a vision from John. And he describes a war that takes place in the heavens. Um, and the dragon is, is thrown down. Um, he kind of loses this battle, I guess you could say. And the dragon... I believe in Revelation chapter 20 is clearly defined as Satan himself. And so there should be no question who this dragon is here. And it seems to suggest that, that Satan is, is thrown out of, of heaven and he actually seems to go to the earth here. And I think what Dennis's point might be here is that if the earth is um, Satan's place, then this can't be the kingdom of God. Well, you know, what's interesting is in John chapter 14, where we just were, uh, in verse 30, uh, Jesus was, I, I suppose, ending this section of the talk uh, with his disciples, and he said, I will talk uh, more to you about this, because the ruler of this world is coming. So he suggests that, and I believe the ruler of this world is, in fact, Satan, whom Jesus is referring to. Um, so Jesus acknowledges that Satan is the ruler of this world, or the prince of the power of the air, as he's referred to elsewhere. And yet that doesn't stop Jesus from also gaining ground uh, in this world by casting out Satan. You know, in uh, Luke chapter 11, uh, there's an interesting account. Jesus is... Um, engaged once more with the religious leaders. They had um, 
they had witnessed Jesus uh, performing an exorcism, uh, which he did frequently as part of his ministry. And they couldn't really handle the fact that Jesus was casting out demons because they didn't, they didn't like Jesus and they didn't want to admit that this was the power of God. And so what they did was they said, well, Jesus is casting out um, demons by the power of Beelzebub, um, the, the the ruler or the prince of the demons. I think literally the Lord of the Flies is how that's um, how that's word is understood. So that basically they're saying he's casting out demons because he has a demon. Now you know Jesus turned the tables on them and asked them. He said, you know, well, how can this be? Uh, you know, house divided will fall. How can Satan cast out Satan? His, his kingdom won't last. If, if Satan is casting himself out, his, he's actually losing ground, not, not casting them out or, you know, not gaining ground. And then he said, but if I am casting them out, um, you know, if I'm pa- casting them out by the hand of God, verse 20, he says, then surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Uh, again, I think Jesus sees the fact that the kingdom of God is is being pressed on to Satan's realm. He's casting out demons. Uh, the kingdom of God is gaining ground. Satan's kingdom is losing ground. Um, and all of this is taking place. This battlefield seems to be here on earth. It's the hearts and minds of humans uh, that they're fighting over. And so it's my opinion then that I believe that the kingdom of heaven uh, uh, is a present reality for the church. We're, we're, we're gaining ground for Christ. Satan is losing ground. The kingdom of heaven is, is here and now, and we need to be busy um, serving our king, not waiting for some future heaven, but, uh, but actively and currently working for our king. Now, um, in Dennis's email, he actually asked a question. It was sort of unrelated, related but unrelated. I mean, not necessarily about the kingdom of God, but I think he had indicated that he had taught Sunday school recently, and, and a question had been raised about will we have a job in heaven? And um, I, I think it's an interesting question. I really do. Um, I, I, first of all, I'll say the Bible doesn't actually say yes, we will, or no, we won't. But I think there's some things that we can collect from the Bible to kind of come to some sort of conclusion. The first thing I would say in answer to that question is that uh, in the in the book of Genesis, prior to the fall of mankind, prior to Genesis chapter three, which is where sin enters. Adam and Eve, uh, the first um, people that God had ever created, had already been tasked with some work to do. Uh, they were to take care of this world, to take care of the animals, to take care of um, everything. And what's interesting is their task to work had actually come prior to the fall. So work is not as a result of sin. It's not like we were on a vacation or they were on a vacation until they fell into sin, but they were already assigned jobs. They were already to do something. And as I see it, uh, the book of Revelation actually ends with creation. Again, a new heaven and a new earth being created. And I think what God is doing is restoring that which was lost uh, from the fall, that which was lost originally. And so 
My best guess is that, yes, I think we will have jobs. We will be returning to the task of taking care of God's world, God's creation. Uh, that will be our job. I don't see that this is just a, a trip to Disney, uh, you know, a vacation in Mexico where we're sitting on a beach drinking something and with a, an umbrella in it, but that we will be uh, doing work. And there's actually another passage of Scripture that I think seems to suggest the same thing, too. It's from Luke chapter 19. It's a parable that Jesus told. Um, now, the parable was not told for the purpose of telling us what we would be doing in heaven or what we, you know, what we'd be doing as after we die and all that, but, but I think there might be some things that we can conclude from it. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus talked about a man, a nobleman, who was going away uh, on a, to a far distant country, and I think we can all see this as, as Jesus. Uh, he called his servants together, and he gave um, he gave his servants varying degrees of money. Um, now, to the and when he did come back, he called those servants in to see what they had done with the money that they had been given. And the first one uh, had been given, um, like I think it's a mina, is what it's called in in Luke chapter nineteen. He had been given ten minas, or you know, ten pieces of money, and. Um, and when he when he was called to give an account, he says, "Sir, sir, your mina has earned ten more." So uh, he invested it somehow, and he earned him ten. Now, what's interesting is Jesus' response to him. He says, "Well, good, uh, well done, uh, my good servant, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter." Now he doesn't say, "I'll, I'll give you more." He says, "Take charge of ten cities." Now, I, I think that's really kind of interesting. That the response is, "You've been faithful in that." Okay, here's your reward. Take charge of ten cities. And when the second person comes in, that person had been given five minas to deal with. And uh, he came in and said, um, hey, I invested it and I've earned five more while you were away. And the master, the nobleman, said almost the same thing to him, just a different amount. He says, okay, you take charge of five cities. Now, what that suggests to me is that their work isn't done. Um, they had invested wisely. They had, uh, you know, performed well while the master was away. And now that he's back, their job's not done. They still have more to do. There's still more work to do. Now they've given great responsibility because they proved themselves faithful. So that parable kind of tells me that, yes, there is going to be work to do after the return of Christ, uh, when, when we live with him on this new new earth, that he will assign us jobs, that we will have something to do. You know, I think this life that we're living right now is sort of a, a trial run. It's sort of a, a dress rehearsal. The things that you and I do matter. They matter because how faithful we live this life will dictate what happens in the next. And so I believe the, the, the more we act in faith, the more we trust in God, the more diligently we, we work for His kingdom now, the greater the tasks and assignment that we'll receive, we'll, we will receive later. Well, with that, I am going to end this podcast. I want to thank you for joining me again. We're going to kind of pick up with this um, next time. Actually, in the same email, Dennis had asked some other questions, which I'm going to address a little bit next time about Satan. And you might find some of those responses as surprising. So um, thanks for joining me and hope to see you next time on the Thinking Christian Podcast.